Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox is brought to you by Baxter Blue. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter Blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. I got blue light lenses in my glasses last October for that very reason, and they've definitely been a huge help. Our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in the show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love Baxter's, and we know that you will feel the difference. Let's start the show. What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. It is Sunday, April 11th, and this is Thinking Outside the Boombox. I am very excited to be back with another episode. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to start the podcast by saying rest in power to DMX, Uh, DMX died at the age of 50 uh, just a couple of days ago on Friday, April the 9th. Um, He will absolutely be missed by the hip-hop community, and just in general, he will be missed by fans of music. DMX was an artist who, you know, portrayed, you know, himself so authentically um, in his everyday life, and that also, you know, shown through in his music. Um, he gave us so many memorable moments and his music will be uh, remembered and will be a part of hip hop culture forever. 
So rest in power to him and uh, prayers to his family and especially his kids. So, um, welcome back. Uh, I've got my wife, Karen, in the studio. Hello. Hello. And we are here to continue the Back in the Day Tournament, Volume 2, um, in this week's episode. It's Sweet 16 time. There are 16 albums left. We started with 40. Um, and after this episode ends, there will only be eight. Um, so I'm very excited about this. I feel like the matchups are getting harder to pick. Um, because, you know, all 16 of these albums, you know, I feel like identities are, are really starting to, to shine through for each of the individual albums. And, you know, most of them has, most of them have something special, um, you know, that is probably a primary reason why they, they made into this tournament in the first place. And now we're really going to start to discuss those. So I'm excited about that. Um, so, you know, as, as we've been doing for the past few weeks, the, uh, song of the week in the press play segment, uh, won't be doing live on the podcast, but it will be featured in the podcast newsletter with all the links and everything. So you can check out the new music videos, new performances, um, that I featured there. So go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. Um, on the homepage, there's a space where you can put in your email address. If you do that, you will join the mailing list and you will get the podcast newsletter in your inbox after every episode. Um, or you can just go to the newsletter tab and all of the podcast newsletters are there. So without any further ado, let's jump into the Dig Deeper segment. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. Let's jump right into it. Uh, the Back in the Day Tournament, Volume 2, 16 albums remain. Um, we're going to discuss all eight matchups of the Sweet 16. Um, if you remember, there are five categories, five rounds, essentially, um, in each matchup. Uh, an album must win three out of five of those rounds to advance. Those categories and rounds are success, achievements, quality, um, cohesion, and legacy. So we're going to get started uh, with the four albums that remain in the Boys to Men division. So that is the one seed Black Messiah versus the five seed Beauty Behind the Madness and the three seed Lemonade versus the two seed Channel Orange. It is getting real. Um, so let's start with that one versus five matchup. The one seed Black Messiah by D'Angelo and the Vanguard released December 15th, 2014, faces off against the five seed Beauty Behind the Madness by the weekend released August 28th, 2015. So these albums were about eight months apart. The first category, success. Black Messiah has sold at least 157,000 units, while Beauty Behind the Madness has sold at least 4 million units. So Beauty Behind the Madness takes a 1-0 lead. Let's jump into the achievements category. Uh, starting with the Grammys, Black Messiah is two for three 
at the Grammys winning Best R&B Album and Best R&B Song for Really Love, while Beauty Behind the Madness is two for five, uh, winning Best Progressive R&B Album, also won Best R&B Performance for Earned It. So uh, those extra two nominations uh, give Beauty Behind the Madness the lead. Moving into Billboard, uh, higher ranking and longevity on uh, all three charts for Beauty Behind the Madness, so it extends its lead. And then Records and Achievements, uh, Beauty Behind the Madness has one diamond song and six platinum, platinum songs, while Black Messiah has no records or achievements. Um, so Beauty Behind the Madness uh, sweeps this game and takes a 2-0 lead as we head into quality. Um, for me, the Black Messiah is one of the most... I keep saying the Black Messiah because of the the Fred Hampton movie. It's just, they're really conflating in my head. <laughs> um, Black Messiah is one of the most important albums of this decade. Um, one of the few albums in this tournament that are that is centered around blackness and the black experience. Um, and I don't think there's anything that Beauty Behind the Madness can do to combat that. On top of that, The Weeknd can't sing as well as D'Angelo. And The Weeknd's musical ambitions just aren't as high. So I gave the quality matchup to uh, Black Messiah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. And I think generally speaking in this Sweet 16 round, now that we've sort of filtered out most of the albums that are maybe less original or less inventive, mm -hmm. For the quality category, I'm strictly going off vocal performance. And D'Angelo is a better performer and a better singer overall than The Weeknd. So he gets quality for me. Interesting. I'm glad you said that because I think that'll that'll come up later. I was also kind of considering vocal performance in, in some cases. And I wasn't sure if... The, the, the quality conversation gets really hard in some of these matchups. And, and so it's, yeah, it's really easy to be inconsistent, too, when you're letting quality mean anything. Right, yeah. Okay, so it is 2-1 in favor of Beauty Behind the Madness. Uh, the cohesion category, uh, this was also Black Messiah for me. I think D'Angelo, you know, took me on a funky, soulful journey from start to finish that was more cohesive than what The Weeknd did on Beauty Behind the Madness. Yeah, I agree. Even just looking at the songs that Beauty Behind the Madness was nominated for Grammys for, mm -hmm. Can't Feel My Face and Earned It, could have been on two completely different albums. Arguably, mm. Earned It could have been on a more R&B-driven album True. than Beauty Behind the Madness was overall. So I, I agree. It's Black Messiah for me. Okay, so just like that, Black Messiah ties, it, ties the series up. Two to two as we head into the final category and, you know, arguably maybe the most important category, which is the legacy of each album uh, compared. So this comes down to the album that really launched The Weeknd's mainstream career, uh, also his best selling album. Um, half of his 10 highest selling records are on this album. He got a diamond record from this album, his first Grammys. He got a theme song for a movie, all of that versus an album that saw D'Angelo return. Um, the album was a musical accomplishment, a great reflection of the times. One of the first R&B albums this decade to be that voice, uh, with respect to black people standing in society introduced him to a new generation. His first album in 15 years bounced back from all of his personal 
uh, troubles. What it came down to for me is that D'Angelo, in my opinion, is more important to R&B than The Weeknd is. I think The Weeknd, and we'll talk about this more when we get to Trilogy, I think The Weeknd has done a lot for R&B, and, and that can't be discounted, but when it comes down to what's more important, like, what if if one of these artists was removed from the R&B scene, like, what they've all of their past accomplishments and everything they've given to R&B, if one of them disappeared, uh, which one, you know, in my opinion, whose absence would be felt the greatest for me is D'Angelo. And I also think that Black Messiah, in a way, influenced other albums in this tournament, like Dirty Computer and A Seat at the Table, in that who knows whether Janelle Monet or Solange... Um, you know, would have made albums like that where they, you know, use their voice to speak, um, you know, speak about black people and how they're treated in society. If D'Angelo hadn't, you know, kind of brought that template uh, or brought that template back to modern R&B a few years prior. Um, so in a way, I, I would say that his album influenced those. And so I gave legacy to him. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I appreciate the way you framed the like one gotta go argument <laughs> when looking at the legacy uh -huh. category i think that's an important way to look at it and without question removing d'angelo from r&b would have a, a, a cataclysmic effect on the genre as we know it today mm -hmm. and i i think that to a certain extent, that can be said for the weekend, but not to the same extent as D'Angelo. Right. So yeah, Black Messiah wins Legacy. Okay, and it wins uh, the series at large. So Black Messiah moves on to the Elite Eight. Um, the first number one seed to do so. There are four number one seeds remaining. Um, in the Sweet Sixteen, all of them have advanced. We will see if they all can um, show how much they deserve that number one ranking and make it to the Elite Eight. Let's move on to the last matchup of the Boys to Men division. Um, just to recap, the Boys to Men division is the division full of Grammy winners. And this one sees the two-seed Channel Orange facing off against the three-seed Lemonade. Um, Lemonade was released April 23rd, 2016 by Beyonce. Uh, Channel Orange, released by Frank Ocean, July 10th, 2012. Uh, this is the matchup that I pretty much saw coming as soon as I made the bracket. Like, once all the rankings fell into their place and I just looked at the matchups, I was like, ooh, Lemonade and Channel Orange are likely going to win those first matchups and face each other in the second round in the Sweet 16. So that'll be interesting. Uh, so let's see how it shakes out. Success. Channel Orange sold at least 686,000 units. Lemonade sold at least 3 million units, so Lemonade takes a 1-0 lead. Uh, achievements. Starting with Grammys, I think this was one of the closest Grammys battles um, of the entire tournament so far. Both albums are one, one of two in the albums category, with a Best Progressive Win and an Album of the Year nomination for both of them. Both albums have lost a Record of the Year nomination. Um, they're both... Oh, for one for record of the year, but Lemonade had an extra song of the year 
nomination. And so that gives it the lead in the achievements category. Moving on to Billboard, Channel Orange gets beat on two out of three of the charts. Um, So Lemonade extends its lead. And then when we get to records and achievements, there's one platinum record and three gold records on Channel Orange. Lemonade has three platinum records, was also the most streamed album in a week on Tidal by a female artist. And then, of course, this this record that has persisted throughout the tournament because Beyonce has had three albums in the tournament that kept this record going. But for this album in particular, Beyonce became the first artist to have her first six projects debut at number one on the Billboard 200. And she was also the first female artist to have 12 plus songs chart simultaneously on the Hot 100. So... Beyonce's Lemonade uh, blows out Channel Orange in the achievements category and takes a 2-0 lead as we head into quality. Can I just maybe add an asterisk that won't matter in the end Mm -hmm. for uh, this title achievement? Yes. (laughs) Wasn't title the only streaming platform where you could listen to Lemonade at, at the time it was released? Oh, I think they just put Lemonade on. That Apple sounds Music right. Like a year ago. Yeah, it sounds like it was pretty exclusive to title. I might have thrown a, a few uh, burner email addresses at that record. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we were probably just rewatching the HBO thing. Yeah. To like get the listens out of it. Probably, yeah. I, I guess I can't remember whether she, yeah. It, Knowing Jay-Z and, and Beyonce, it was likely exclusive on Tidal for a week. So, yeah, I guess yeah, you're right. That <laughs> <laughs> not, not to diminish the achievement, it's just there was a little bit of manipulation there yeah, on Tidal's end. for sure. Um, quality. I'm going to let you start things off here. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be really hard for any album to beat Lemonade in terms of quality here, in my opinion. This is Beyonce's best album. Mm-hmm. It's a story from beginning to end, which few albums can achieve without becoming one note. Um, you've got your your quiet and, and happy songs. You've got your mm-hmm. rageful mm-hmm. songs. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, I, this is a hands-down win in terms of quality. And... Going back to my vocal performance metric, she sang circles around Frank Ocean, who who gave a very strong vocal performance on Channel Orange. Okay. What do you think? Uh, I actually gave this to Channel Orange. Hmm. Um, I thought long and hard about this. Um, did you? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> I re-listened to both <laughs> albums because I feel like this was... I thought this was one of the um, more important matchups remaining... Um, at least in this round of the tournament, in that uh, whoever comes out of this matchup is likely the front runner to win um, the tournament at large because they beat whatever the other album is. Like I, I think these are two of the strongest albums in the tournament. Yeah. Um, so I gave my vote to Channel Orange for the same reasons that I gave Finn. Uh, by Sid, the quality vote last week over the 2020 experience. And that is because I think that Channel Orange is the better R&B album. Mm. I think, uh, in my opinion, like, Beyonce got in her country bag. She got in her reggae bag. She got in her hip-hop bag. She got in her rock bag. 
But considering this is an R&B tournament, I think what Frank did on Channel Orange, the songwriting, his subject matter, his vocals, his earnestness, and the performances, I think were more consistently R&B to me than what Lemonade was. And so for that reason, I gave the quality to Channel Orange. Although this was like, like this, this, this could go either way for me. Yes. Um, and this is taking nothing away, obviously, from from Lemonade. But I, I dug in deep on the R and B portion mm. of this for that uh, category, and so I gave I gave that to Channel Orange. Okay. Um, so you have Channel Orange advancing three zero. I have Channel Orange up to one. Um, either way, I don't think it matters as we go into cohesion uh, because I gave that to Lemonade. Um, I think cohesion and legacy, and I've said this, are Lemonade's strongest categories. Um, so the fact that it took the first two categories, success and achievements, um, it was already, the writing was on the wall. It was already kind of wrapped up this one here because I think it will be very hard. Um, I will say this now, for something to knock Lemonade out of this tournament, it needs to, <laughs> it really needs to win those first three categories it needs to win quality, it needs to have been more successful, and it needs to have greater achievements because, and I mean, we'll see when we have to talk about this in later matchups, but like cohesion and legacy is just... It's undeniable. It's, it's, it's really tough. Those, those are the strongest ones. And so, you know, I think the personal story that Beyonce tells of the downfall of her relationship with Jay-Z, the emotion she feels, everything she goes through, the full circle moment of forgiving him at the end was not only relatable to a lot of people, but it was incredibly well-written. And the journey she took us on throughout the album was very cohesive. And so I think it easily wins this category over Channel Orange. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything that you said. And just to be clear, these are two of my favorite albums. I know them both back and forth. Um, and I taking nothing away from Channel Orange, I would give that to Lemonade as well. Okay. So, Lemonade officially moves on. Sorry to Channel Orange by Frank Ocean. We 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 kind of knew this would happen, but um, you know I I think it makes sense. So, gonna save the legacy discussion. I'm just gonna keep, you know, pull it pushing this legacy discussion for Beyonce's Lemonade off until it is necessary to discuss it. Like, let's see if an album can take Beyonce to the fifth game, to that game five. Um, we'll see. Um, it's definitely possible, um, depending on how, you know, the numbers uh, stack up. But for now, I don't want to give anything away. Um, so Lemonade moves on to the Elite Eight, where it will face Black Messiah by D'Angelo. So the 1v2 seed... Um, that's going to be very good. That is going to be very good. Um, so let's move on to the Legacy Division, the division full of Grammy, uh, nominees. Um, starting with the one seed, Control by SZA, uh, released June 9th, 2017, facing off against the four seed, Ego Death by The Internet, released June 26, 2015. Success, Control, sold at least 2 million units. Ego Death sales are unknown. And man, that's that's just a tough thing this late in the tournament. Like, to have, to, to lose that success 
one right off the bat um, can really suck. I mean, it, it's it's good that albums whose you know exposure was so limited um, to make it this far in the tournament, but um, sales I think are going to end up being important. Like every category is going to matter once you get into these heavy matchups. So uh, control takes a one zero lead. Um, achievements control is zero for four at the Grammys, while ego death is zero for one. So Control takes a 1-0 lead. Billboard, Control ranked higher on all three charts and stayed there longer. So Control takes an even bigger lead. And then Records and Achievements, none for Ego Death, but Control has five platinum records and seven gold records. So a sweep in the Achievements category gives Control a 2-0 lead. Um, Quality. These are both two incredibly written and performed albums. And again, I've got to go with my gut. Um, I relate a lot more to Ego Death. Um, I recognize the beauty of Control. I I seriously do. And what SZA gave us and the journey she took us on. But Ego Death holds a special place in my heart because of Sid's angelic vocals, because of how good the instrumentation is. The simplistic nature and message of a song like Penthouse Cloud. Um, The Beauty of Special Affair, which is probably my favorite song from that album. How relatable Just Saying slash I Tried is. Like, I know Control is is really the choice here, but Ego Death will always be my personal favorite. So, <laughs> um, I've got Control up 2-1. What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I gave it to Control. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to vocal performance, I think that the quintessential R&B performance isn't exactly what Sid gives us true true and that doesn't mean that she's a bad singer uh i i personally love a delicate sort of quiet voice mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i do think SZA outperforms her here that's fair okay moving on so you have control moving on 3-0 i have control leading 2-1 as we go into cohesion um i gave this one to control um i think they're both pretty cohesive but Compared to Control, I think Ego Death, some of the songs can seem a little experimental mm-hmm. from a like vibe and like a style standpoint. Um, so I think Control ended up being more consistent because of how, you know, the, the sound that SZA crafted and her producers crafted on that album um, didn't really waver throughout. Um, so I gave it to Control. No, and I appreciated the way that she incorporated the recordings of her mother and grandmother talking throughout the album, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it helped thread the narrative throughout the album. And you're right, Ego Death felt a little bit more like a sampler platter of everything that this band could do. Mm -hmm. Um, So while really cool, I do think Control was more cohesive. Okay. Uh, So Control moves on to the Sweet 16. Um... A big shout out to Ego Death. Uh, love that album. I, I To this day, I still go back to that album and listen to it heavily. So um, thank you for being a part of the Back in the Day Tournament Volume 2. Uh, you, you may pack your, your mics and go. <laughs> uh, so again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push this legacy conversation again too because I, I, think, I think a lot of these legacy uh, attributes can be the nail in the coffin for a lot of a lot of the matchups and so i'm excited to actually be pushing a lot of these these legacy takes 
to maybe the final round or the you know the final four those later rounds because I think it'll cause for some good discussion. So uh, moving into the final matchup of the Legacy Division, we've got two underdogs that you know really just upset um, you know the the higher seeds to make it here. Uh, we've got the sixth seed, Awaken My Love by Childish Gambino, who who upset the three seed Malibu by Anderson Pac to get here, facing off against the nine seed anti by Rihanna, uh, won the play in game and then upset uh, the two seed self titled by Beyonce to get here. Um, really excited about this matchup. So the. Six Seed, Awaken My Love, released by Chinese Gambino on December 2nd, 2016, facing off against the Nine Seed, Anti, by Rihanna. Um, wait, is this the Nine Seed? I think this is the Seven Seed. Sorry, I don't know why I said Nine. Um, the Seven Seed, um, released by Rihanna on January 28th, 2016. So these albums kind of bookended the year. Anti started 2016 Awaken My Love finished 2016. Um, we went to both of these tours, right? Uh, yes, we did. We did indeed. Um, because both of these albums were very good. Yeah. Um, success. Awaken My Love has sold at least 1 million units. Anti has sold at least 3 million units. So Anti takes a 1-0 lead. As we go into achievements, Anti was shut out at the Grammys going 0 for 4 while Awaken is one for five at the Grammys, winning Best Traditional R&B Performance for Redbone. So Awaken My Love takes the lead. Billboard, Anti, charted higher and longer on all three charts, and so officially ties up the series there. And when we go into the records and achievements, uh, one five-time platinum song for Awaken My Love, with Redbone, obviously, but seven platinum songs for Anti, two of which are five times platinum or higher. Rihanna was also the most streamed female artist of 2016, uh, which, you know, mentioning again, this album came out in January of 2016. That is an impressive feat since it came out at the beginning of the year. Um, And Anti was the longest charting album by a black female in Billboard history. Uh, Anti takes a 2-0 lead. Um, Quality. Um... I've revisited Anti way more than I've revisited Awaken My Love. And I think that is because for me, Anti is Rihanna's most R&B album, but her ability to make smash pop hits kind of weaved nicely into this album. You know, Work was a part of this album, became one of her biggest songs and, you know, still fit really nicely into all of the other R&B stuff she was doing on this album. I think this album is just on a whole other level, so I gave Anti the quality win here. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. And um, I think Anti is the album where I became a full believer in Rihanna's vocal ability, which is mm-hmm. wild considering it's, what, her sixth album? Eight, I think. Eight album. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is by far her strongest and most consistent vocal performance. True. Um, and I, I do think that she does some interesting things with her voice and sort of manipulates it on some of the songs. Clearly, mm-hmm. Childish Gambino does some similar <laughs> vocal manipulation, mm-hmm. but I think that her performance was more impressive. Yeah. 
Um, notable here that Gambino and Rihanna were uh, movie stars together on that that movie uh, Guava Island, Papaya she... Island. I think it's Guava Island. <laughs> anyway, it was that Go movie. Guava Island. Oh no, that's not, <laughs> not that. It's not that. It was that movie where like um. Uh, He's on an island and someone wants to kill him. Yeah, and I don't even remember what role Rihanna plays. But she I know was she the was girlfriend. In. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, there were love interests. I remember liking it. Um, I haven't seen it since then, though. But, um, you know, we had our the movie pairs uh, face off here and Anti ended up winning. Um, so Anti moves on with a 3-0 win. I, I'm, I wanted to see if Anti would have like completed a true sweep winning all five categories mm-hmm. i think legacy for sure uh it wins but cohesion i wasn't sure and I'm, i want your thoughts on this what would you have uh done for cohesion here i would have gone with awaken my love okay i think the like creepy jazzy bluesy is that what we want to yeah call that's that that's all there yeah yeah um, <laughs> all of that funky i i think that like it it threads throughout um it is a little more consistent, uh, just voice wise and point of view wise than anti was. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, w- it was very close. I, my gut told me that it would be Awaken because then I considered that Tame Impala cover. Uh, what is it? Same old mistakes that Rihanna did, and I was like, that, that was a little off kilter style wise than everything than everything else that was going on in the album. So I think that Awaken would have won there so not a true sweep but anti does move on regardless in the elite eight uh next week anti will face off against control by SZA, and you know that's very fitting considering this is the grammy nominees division and you know of my years watching the grammys these are the two albums that like were that stick out in my mind in the r&b lane of just being completely snubbed like both uh, albums went over for at the Grammys in a year where they should have taken all of the Grammys um, that they were nominated for. Uh, SZA, a fifth Grammy she didn't win, was Best New Artist that she was nominated for that year, didn't get it. And so it's fitting that these two albums will be the final two to represent uh, the Grammy nominees division, considering how they were heavily nominated and did not win. Um, so I'm excited about that. So let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back uh, with the Sweet 16 matchups of the Fan Love Conference. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Blackster blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. This past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. Our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This eyewear is built for our digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know that you will feel the difference. Let's get back to the show. Let's. 
Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. <laughs> Let's jump into the Fan Love Conference. Um, starting with the Diary of Alicia Keys division, um, we have the One Seed Trilogy by The Weeknd, released November 13th, 2012, facing off against the Five Seed Shea Butter Baby by Ari Lennox, released May 7th, 2019. Success. Shea Butter Baby's unit sales are unknown. Tragedy. But Trilogy sold at least 3 million units and takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements. We've got no Grammys for either album. Um, As far as Billboard, Trilogy charts higher than Shea Butter Baby on all three charts and takes the lead. And then Records and Achievements. Four platinum songs for Trilogy and one gold and one platinum song for Shea Butter Baby. So Trilogy takes a 2-0 lead as we go into the quality category. <laughs> Karen is giving me a, a Riley face from Boondocks, <laughs> um, which tells me she's not happy with that. Um, your thoughts on that and of the quality of these two albums? Trilogy is just not a very strong project, in my opinion. Uh-huh. I think it is bloated. Uh-huh. And I'll stop there. I think <laughs> I think a lot of it could have been trimmed out. I, I think we didn't need a lot of it. Um, but sticking with my vocal performance mm-hmm. uh, lens on the quality category, I'm, I'm giving it to Ari Lennox. Hands down. <laughs> Emphatically. The weekend wishes <laughs> that this was even a conversation. Uh, I agree. As much as I love Trilogy, um, it is not a better R&B project than the smoky, sensual, honest album that Ari Lennox um, gave us. I think Ari Lennox's album is the perfect example of what an R&B album sounds like. Um, and so I also gave it the win. So Trilogy now leads two to one as we go into Cohesion. Um, we talked last week about Shea Butter Baby and how intimate it feels because of how tight the album construction is. Um, I think it's very consistent with Ari sprinkling skits here and there from her Instagram. And Trilogy just doesn't scream Cohesion after he combined, you know, the three mixtapes and added a few new songs. So I gave this to Shea Butter Baby. Yeah, all right, I agree. Uh, and shout out to the Garbanzo Beans. Oh, yes. You you know, you got to make sure the Garbanzo Beans are done. Um, uh, Shea Butter Baby ties it up as we go into that final category, Legacy. Um, do you want me to... You know, to lay out lay out some facts here. Or would you Talk like to go? Talk your shit. Talk your shit. Tell me why. <laughs> tell me why this mess deserves to win. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to give some compelling reasons, but I don't like it. Well, okay, so no, so you start. Tell me why you. What What is your thought on legacy? So, well, like, what do you? The, <laughs> the thing is, I don't like the weekend very much as a singer, and I don't think that he is as straightforward of an R&B artist as Ari Lennox is. Mm -hmm. And so while this project, of course, launched a very influential figure in today's music landscape, that doesn't matter so much to me because I don't like him. (laughs) But that's not what Legacy is about. I I understand. That's why I'm like, tell me why. Tell me why this is important. I'm 
not gonna like it. The facts are facts. So please, please lay it out for me. <laughs> I mean, you, you you said it there. Um, all in all, Shea Butter Baby's legacy is still being written. Um, you know, it, it came out in 2019, uh, and Ari hasn't really released anything since then. So while, you know, we've talked on this, this podcast about how great that album is, I just don't think, um, that there's enough evidence to, to back up its legacy being more important than trilogy when we have clear evidence of how the weekend and trilogy influenced the genre. We mentioned last, I think it was last week, um, that this this trio of of mixtapes launched the weekend. Um, it essentially created a new R and B sound, influenced and inspired many, um, and that's a legacy that persists today. And I just think that while Shea Butter Baby does have some things behind it, you know, I think it was the best R&B album of 2019. Um, we mentioned Dreamville's first release from a woman showing that they could, you know, you know, back a woman and an R&B singer and, you know, promote and support that as much as all of the other male rappers they have on their um, roster. Um, but at the end of the day, I just don't know if that's enough to, to compete with uh, Trilogy and and what The Weeknd has done for R&B. Now, I, I didn't necessarily say that what The Weeknd has done for R&B is good for R&B. Like, you know, while the sound that he has created has launched a lot of, you know, nobody people trying to emulate that sound and, and not even doing that as well as The Weeknd, um, that, you know, that... Um, creation of a R&B subgenre and you know some of the actual good artists who are doing that um, who came out of that I think is important so I gave it to to Trilogy would you like um, to contest and go to a tiebreaker or no I for the <laughs> for all the lovers of R&B for ghosts in need of Xanax <laughs> The weekend has really launched something here, <laughs> and for that reason, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh man, if if we had given out your your Instagram handle, they would be on fire right now. <laughs> all of these all of these weekend takes. Um, trilogy moves on. Um, if we had gone to a tiebreaker, I think it would have been Wicked Games versus Up Late. That is what I yeah. think are the best songs on both albums. I agree. But Trilogy wins three to two, so we don't have to go to that. Um, moving on to the Battle of the Sisters, the Knowles Battle. We have the sixth seed, A Seat at the Table by Solange Knowles, uh, released September 30th, 2016, facing off against Four by Beyonce, released June 24th, 2011. Success. Four has sold at least 1.5 million units. A seat at the table has sold at least 500,000. So four takes a 1-0 lead as we move into achievements. Both albums won a song Grammy, Best Traditional R&B Performance for Love on Top, and Best R&B Performance for Cranes in the Sky. So it's tied there. Uh, Billboard, four charts higher and longer on two of the three charts, takes the lead. Um, records and achievements four has one platinum song and three gold songs while a seat at the table has one gold song um four is 
Also launched Beyonce as the second female and third artist period to have her first four albums debut at number one. Um, while the lone other achievement for a seat at the table is that Beyonce and Solange became the first solo artist sisters to have a number one album on the charts in the same year. So four takes a 2-0 lead as we go into quality. What are your thoughts quality here? Beyonce's four versus Solange's a seat at the table. Uh, going for vocal performance, I gave this to Beyonce. Mm. Um, but I do think that they're both extraordinarily strong albums from a quality standpoint. Um, to your points around Lemonade, I do think this is a pretty thoroughly R&B album, uh, for is for Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are certainly some hip hop influences, but she stays pretty firmly in the R&B lane. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. What do you think? Okay. I gave this to a seat at the table. Um, I think four is a great album and Beyonce's first focused, really cohesive album. Um, not taking anything away from, I am Sasha Fierce, uh, B day and what's the first one? Beyonce and dangerously in love. But, um, I don't think those three albums were super cohesive and focused. No, like I think, I think four was the one where it was like, okay, there's there's something here. She's like, there's there's a there's a concept kind of, and she's she's kind of like trimmed a lot of the the fat, and her her sound is more focused into like one thing. Um, but I still think that a seat at the table has it beat. I think it's a much more important album. Um, and despite the collection of hits that Beyonce gives us on four, I just think that A Seat at the Table is beautiful, tells a story, and I just thought it was a better album. So um, I gave quality to A Seat at the Table. So you have uh, Beyonce's four moving on 3-0. I have it up 2-1 as we go into cohesion. What are your thoughts? I think that cohesion should go to a seat at the table. It was very focused from a content perspective. Um, I, I enjoyed, again, the, the testimonies from her family and from fellow artists throughout the album about their experiences of being black in America. Um, and while the songs all sort of dealt in the same territory of content, None of them felt repetitive or one note. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, a seat at the table for me. Uh, I agree. Um, I think a seat at the table is a journey through the black experience with a very consistent sound from start to finish. The interludes after nearly every song from her mother um, and Master P, who was a friend, and also the person that she said reminds her most of her father. I think all of those actually flow really nicely and transition so smoothly into you know the songs that follow um so yeah i gave cohesion to a seat at the table as well so i have it tied two to two you have four moving on three to one as we go into legacy what are your thoughts hmm. um i think that i would probably give legacy to seat at the table um it marked a real transition in solange's sound which has sort of been more dance driven a little more poppy up until this point less political mm -hmm. um 
and her her move to a more avant-garde lane, I think, is more substantial than the transition that for Mark and Beyonce's career, and, and both are sort of inflection point albums. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that four is more similar to what Beyonce did before and what Beyonce would do after than a seat at the table is compared uh, to the rest of Solange's catalog. Good point. Um, yeah, I, I also gave this to a seat at the table. Um, I think Ford's legacy is centered around the fact that it features some of Beyonce's most memorable songs. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the impact of Run the World, you know, the pregnancy announcement with Love on Top, the choreography of Countdown, just the timelessness of Party. Um, but a seat at the table is Solange's best and most important album, her most successful album, and that's including the uh, album she released in 2019 what was it called when i get home is that the name of it um and a seat at the table had a tremendous impact in the black community um it also earned her her first grammy nomination and when she became a voice for the people through her experiences um and i think that it was more important so you have four moving on three to two i have a seat at the table moving on three to two so it is time for a tiebreaker where we pit the best songs against each other so let's start with a seat at the table uh what would you say is the best song on a seat at the table i think it's cranes in the sky cranes in the sky what do you think um that's that's the first thing that popped out at me um i have a really i have a strong affinity for uh, Fubu and Duck don't touch my hair, but I don't think they're better than Cranes in the Sky. I agree. Those are. I think those three are the best songs on the album for sure. Okay, so Cranes in the Sky, um, four by Beyonce. What What do you think is the best song? Um, I think Love on Top has a strong chance. I think Run the World Girls has a strong chance and then even maybe end of time i think all the other ones are kind of more like b b d like deep cuts on yeah. this album yeah um although personally vocally i think some of those deep cuts are better than these others yes. um but i mean the biggest songs on this album are love on top and run the world girls i think countdown probably has a, a chance as well what, what do you think i would give love on top the best album or the best song distinction and i i do think it's interesting that when beyonce reorganized the tracks on this album mm-hmm. she put love on top first she did and it was i feel like before it was like kind of like it was like fourth or fifth middle third or oh was it that early? okay um okay so the tiebreaker is love on top versus cranes in the sky would you like to listen to each or are you they're already playing in my head okay (laughs) um so what do you what do you think what's your what stands out i mean it what stands out is that we're comparing apples and oranges (laughs) um from a vocal performance perspective Mm -hmm. love on top is like watching someone stick the landing in a gymnastics performance at the Olympics. I think that she does some really impressive things while also nodding to traditional old school like Jackson 5 Mm R&B 
um, yes, and still keeping true. it pretty, pretty 21st century fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and like cranes in the sky is so delicate and beautiful. Um, huh. Yeah, this is really hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm stuck. What do you think? Um, I do agree that vocally. Love on Top is the better song. Like Beyonce, she she's really just showing out um, with Love on Top, with like the the octave changes and how effortlessly she can transition to those octaves. Um, and I I do like your nod to the you know the influences from old older older school R and B um, that she keeps there. Cranes is also just very beautiful. Um, it's like a, it's got a really nice vibe from, you know, like the, the Quiet Storm R&B, kind of, not Quiet Storm, because that usually is like... That's a different deep, deep, deep kind of, <laughs> yeah. I <Island> Brothers. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, it has like a, a peaceful vibe to it. Um, songwriting wise, it's incredible and probably stronger than Love on Top when we come to the yeah. songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, they're very, they're very different. Like we have a very well written song that is performed nicely by Solange, but vocally can't compete with Love on Top, but Love on Top is not written as well it's, because these songs are meant to do song. different things. Yeah. So which one's better? I guess, I guess with your gut, what, like, what does your gut tell you is the better song? If one of these songs were to disappear from, you know, R&B, you know, from Apple Music. Like, you, one of these songs just doesn't exist anymore. There's no sign of it. It's wiped from the internet. Which one's lost are you going to feel more? Which one do you maybe listen to more now? Love on Top. Mm. I, I think it's one of probably the top ten songs in Beyonce's catalog. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I, I think love on top. Okay. I get, <laughs> I guess we can't end in a tie here, so we got, no, no, no. Um, what do you think? I can be convinced. No, I mean, there's, I mean, it's, I mean, I, you can be convinced either way. Like these are both <laughs> just <laughs> incredible songs. Um, to answer that question for me, it's probably cranes in the sky. Um, I listen to that song way more than Love on Top. Um, but at the same time, speaking about, you know, vocal performances and I think also with the with the, the, the R&B influences, I think Love on Top makes sense um, winning this since this is an R&B tournament and I, 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 I can concede, I can concede this here. Um, giving love on top and for for the win. So okay. we're gonna do that. Sorry, a seat at the table. I I really literally had you penciled in here um, <laughs> as the as the winner, but that was a tough one. I I will recommend to anybody um, interested in learning more about a seat at the table to after this podcast is over. Take a listen to the episode of the show Song Exploder, uh, where Solange discusses the creation of the song Cranes in the Sky. And it was like a 10-year process between her having the idea 
for the song and it actually coming out to the public uh, in 2016. And it's quite a journey. Yeah. Uh, oh, seat at the table. I'm sorry yeah. to see you go. I, 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 oh man. This is, they're all going to be painful. Yeah, as, it's just unfortunate because I think a seat at the table <laughs> had the opportunity to unseat Trilogy in the next round. And I don't think Ford can do that. Um, but I won't, uh, I won't give that away. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the Confessions division. We've got The One Seed Blonde by Frank Ocean um, released... August 20th, 2016, facing off against the four seed Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet, released April 27th, 2018. Uh, success. Dirty Computer sold at least 54,000 units. Blonde sold at least a million. So Blonde takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements. Uh, Dirty Computer has one Grammy nomination for Album of the Year and none for Blonde. So Dirty Computer takes a lead. Billboard, Blonde charted at number one for all charts and stayed there for over 200 weeks, so Blonde ties it up. And records and achievements, none for Blonde, but Dirty Computer has two gold songs, so Dirty Computer ties the series one-to-one. Quality. Um, I've had to make some tough decisions in this category during this tournament, and again here, I had to go with my gut. Um... Frank Ocean's singing and musical performances on Blonde are just better to me than Janelle Monae's singing on Dirty Computer. Um, I think his cover of Stevie Wonder's cover of Close to You was great. The two-part beauty of Nights, his vocals on Solo, Skyline 2, and Self Control... Um, him bringing Andre 3000 out of semi-retirement to deliver another fire verse. There's just so much to love about this album. And so taking absolutely nothing away from Dirty Computer, I gave the quality to Blonde. Your thoughts? I actually gave this one to Dirty Computer. I figured Um, you would. (laughs) (laughs) I think that while Frank brings... Frank... Frank Ocean brings... Oh, a, you know him personally? Right, just on a basis. Uh, while Frank Ocean brings a lot of feeling and passion to his vocal performances, I think that from a um, a hitting notes perspective and like a, a impressiveness, like a vocal ambition perspective, Janelle Monet does more on Dirty Computer to, uh, to catch my attention. Okay. Alright, so you have Blonde, uh, Dirty Computer leading 2-1. I have Blonde leading 2-1. Uh, cohesion, um, mentioned this last week. I think this goes Dirty Computer um, because of you know the fact that she possibly made this album with the emotion picture in mind. And because of that... Um, the album is just so cohesive and I don't know if that's because maybe she, you know, she had these videos set up leading with this story. Um, but you know, I do think Blonde is incredibly cohesive, but I think Dirty Computer just edged it out for me. Yeah, so. I, I agree. And I, because Janelle Monet has been weaving this like Android mythology into all of her albums, it does make the story that she's trying to tell a little bit easier to follow along with. True. I would argue that the the Android storyline is 
it's most like easy to understand on this album yes. because it was not on her her debut yeah. I, I in my opinion no um it got better on electric lady um but it still wasn't exactly yeah, clear yeah yeah okay. um okay so you have dirty computer moving on three to one i have it tied to two as we go into legacy um blonde i think was a brilliant sophomore album from an artist who you know, really kind of like stole everyone's hearts with his debut. Um, and while it's not Frank Ocean's best album, I think it's his most personal, vulnerable, and polarizing album. Um, but three albums in, um, and I think Janelle Monet delivers her best, most important, and most impactful album. We discussed how she's honoring Prince in her work, and she does that the most on Dirty Computer. Um... I think this album is just as empowering as Black Messiah or A Seat at the Table. It's uniquely her. Um, we mentioned that it holds the legacy as one of the last albums that Prince worked on before he died. Um, and I think the sex positivity, self-love, black love, all of those themes really resonated throughout the community and continue to. And so I think the legacy of Dirty Computer is stronger. Yeah, I agree. And just looking at the... Like, where these albums sit in terms of each artist's thesis statement, it's interesting to me that this is Janelle Monae's message and, like, the, the story she's been trying to tell coming into the clearest focus that it's ever been, while Blonde is maybe a little bit of a bleary-eyed version of the storytelling that he's given us on, on previous albums. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess... Janelle Monet. The place that this takes Janelle Monet's thesis statement to is maybe more generative. I think that there's more she can take this further than I think Frank Ocean can take Blonde. I think if we go the next step in an evolution in the direction of Blonde, we're looking at a very very conceptual album. Mm-hmm. Um, very experimental and and maybe verging on not being entirely R&B at all. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> or maybe he never makes another album again. <laughs> you have you have mentioned that theory. <laughs> just, I, anyway, uh, I agree with you. I give this to Dirty Computer. Okay, so Dirty Computer um, moves on, uh, winning uh, three to two for me, four to one for you. Man, that seat at the table loss really took the wind out of my sails. I'm really sad about that. Oh, <laughs> I'm I sorry, told you Solange. I could be convinced. You no, didn't it's, have it's, to it's, concede. it's fine. It's fine. Why didn't you convince me? They're, they're, I'm um, not looking long range. There is no tournament. convincing. There were both great arguments, but I, like I said, I think love on top. It it just made sense. So okay. <sighs> Goodbye, okay. Solange. Good to see you saying. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's move into the final matchup of the Sweet 16. We've got the three seed, the 2020 experience by Justin Timberlake, released March 15, 2013. Facing off against the two seed Kaleidoscope Dream by Miguel, released September 25th, 2012. These albums are almost exactly six months apart. Um, man, the 2020 experience is really seeming like a sleeper album that could really just like knock out a lot of albums in this tournament um success kaleidoscope dream sold at least a million 2020 experience sold at least 3.8 so 2020 experience takes a 1-0 lead achievements 
2020 experience is one for one, winning best R&B song for Pusha Love Girl. But Kaleidoscope Dream is one for five with a best R&B song win for Adorn. So Kaleidoscope Dream takes the lead. The 2020 experience charted higher on all three Billboard charts and had longer staying power, so it ties the game. And then Achievements, Kaleidoscope Dream has two platinum songs and one gold song, while 2020 Experience has just two platinum songs. But 2020 Experience also had the best sales week of 2013, the largest in five years for male artists, was the fastest selling album in iTunes history at the time, and the best album of 2013. So it takes a 2-0 lead, just edging out the win there in the Achievements category. Quality. For the same reasons that I think Finn won this matchup last week, I think Kaleidoscope Dream is the better R&B album of the two. It gets my vote. Miguel is a better singer than Justin Timberlake um, and makes better R&B songs on this album. So I think it is 2-1 in 2020's favor. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. And and Justin sort of does some, some genre-reaching uh, on the 2020 experience that does make it a less a, a less strong R&B specific project than mm. Kaleidoscope Dream is. Okay. Um, so then Cohesion, what are your thoughts there? Hmm. I gave Cohesion to Kaleidoscope Dream. Interesting. Okay. Um, every song being two songs doesn't make the album cohesive. <laughs> In my opinion, uh-huh. uh huh. I I liked the the sultriness, the dreaminess of Kaleidoscope Dream. Not to do like the most half-hearted pun in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Kaleidoscope Dream wins cohesion for me. Interesting. Okay, I was I wasn't sure here, but I thought these were both incredibly cohesive albums. And then I started like laying out why I think Twenty Twenty was cohesive, and then I was like, mm, maybe it's not that close. But I, you know, I think Justin Timberlake had the whole '70s type of R&B vibe going with the modern sounds um, added in there. You know, Timberland helped produce on this album, and I thought that he didn't stray into the pop lane too much at all on this album. Um, I thought he he definitely did, you know, keep it mostly R&B, although different types of R&B. Um, and I think that sound persisted throughout, and then of course. I thought the transitions, and this is a thing that he's been doing in his career, period, but the transitions within a single song, like how one song transitions into another part of that song, I just think he does that really incredibly. And he, you know, I feel like first really did that to success on Future Sex Love Sounds, but then also was able to do it um, pretty nicely on this album. Um... But but I still wasn't sure. So like I gave it to 2020. I'm going to give it to 2020 Experience, hmm. um, which will have it winning three to one for me. But you gave it to Kaleidoscope Dream. So then it it's tied two to two for you? Yeah. Okay. So as we go into Legacy, what are your thoughts? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think the 2020 experience probably wins for Legacy. Um, it's, it's Justin Timberlake's strongest project. I think it's his most R&B project. I agree. Um, it's, it's extraordinarily high in quality. It's <laughs> very well produced. And I 
don't know if Kaleidoscope Dream is ultimately going to mean as much to Miguel's catalog as it as 2020 does for Justin Timberlake's. Like this is this is probably his biggest non-trolls project in the decade. <laughs> yeah, abso- absolutely. Absolutely. Um and yeah. he came off that like seven year absence from the music scene in general. It mm-hmm. really looked like he wasn't going to make any more music and then he busted out D'Angelo style with this incredible project. Yes, I agree. Maybe the only time Justin Timberlake and D'Angelo have ever been uttered in the same sentence, but sorry. I'll, what, are, what are your thoughts on Legacy? I mean, I, no, I agree with everything you said. I also will add that it is the last, I think, great album we've gotten from, from Justin. Um, I don't think part two was as good as part one. And his Man in the Woods album was not even remotely R&B. Uh, so this is definitely the best R&B album we've gotten from Justin and the best R&B album we've gotten, or the best album we've gotten from Justin since Future Sex Love Sounds. Um, so I think its legacy was stronger here than Kaleidoscope Dream. Yeah. So a 4-1 lead, uh, win for me, a 3-2 win for you. Kaleidoscope Dream moves on. Oh, sorry. Uh, the 2020 experience moves on to the Elite Eight to face Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet. Mm. And we officially have uh, the eight albums that move on. Um, it will be, as I get my notes here, it will be Black Messiah versus Lemonade um, in the Boys to Men division. It will be Control versus Anti in the Legacy Division. It will be Trilogy versus Four in the Diary of Alicia Keys Division. And it will be uh, Dirty Computer versus the 2020 Experience in the Confessions Division. Whew! Some some big matchups there. Um, That concludes this week's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Karen, for joining once again. You're welcome. Um, Please subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the podcast at TOTB, the podcast, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, Check out the website. Check it all out. Um, Check out the bracket at thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. Very helpful visual aid. For sure. Uh, Go to the extra content tab, and there's the the back-in-the-day tournament. It also features the brackets from the hip-hop version in Volume 1, if you want to revisit that. Um, So yeah, so next week we will um, take these eight albums and cut them down to four, to a final four. Only two episodes remain in the Back of the Day Tournament, Volume 2. Back in the day. Back in the day. Yes. (laughs) Um, this has been Thinking Outside the Boombox your number one source for hip hop and R&B news peace
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.